Turn in your Bibles, if you would please, to Genesis chapter 4. We're going to be looking at the first part of the chapter. This text is the story of Cain and Abel, if you're familiar with them. And Cain and Abel are the first two sons of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were the first couple. And so it's sad. It's a sad story as both sons are lost to Adam and Eve. Any of you who have had the joy of being parents know what what sorrow that would hold. Losing not just one, but two sons in different ways. The context of this story is important as we, as we read the story and we hear what happens with Cain and Abel. I want you to realize that just prior to this, what's happened is that God has promised Eve that her offspring, that her son, would destroy her enemy, the serpent. Who is the serpent? Well, the serpent is... Satan. So you get this promise, and and if you were to just be reading this book and not have any idea that, if you were reading it on a, uh, maybe like the first version of the Kindle, I don't know if they showed you how far you were into the story. You know, if you were reading and you couldn't tell that there were, you know, a thousand pages left in the book, and you thought, oh, well, maybe this is just a short read, and you started in, and you're a couple of pages in is all, and and you, you have the tragedy, right? You've, you've reached the, the climax of the story, and there's the promise from God, and then it says that there was a son that was born, and the son is Cain. And, and Eve is saying, oh, wonderful, with the help of the Lord, I've received a child, a son. And so you may think that you're on the you're, you're, you know, you've, you've reached the pinnacle and you're, you're on your way down into the end of the story at that point, right? But we're right at the beginning of the book still. Look how much is left. You see? We, we've hardly started. And so actually what we don't see is the resolution of the problem right here. Cain is not the promise. First, we see the continued fruit of Adam's rebellion. God said, don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and Adam ate of it. And it could be tempting, as we read this story, to think that Satan, that serpent of old, the accuser of the brethren, the one who tempted Eve and Adam, the one who hates mankind, the father of lies, it may be tempting for you to think that he wins. That he wins with Cain and Abel and that he will win in your life. That he will continue to defeat us. But that is not true. God's promise, here at the beginning, right before we we read this passage about Cain and Abel, is the promise that Jesus Christ will come, and he did. And when he came, he defeated Satan. And so there is hope now for you and for me. But we're left living in a world that is filled with the story of Cain and Abel. A sad story. A story that's filled with sin that we recognize in ourselves. So as we hear this story, don't be hopeless. Don't think that this is where it ends. This is just the start. Please stand for the reading of God's Word from Genesis chapter 4. We'll be reading verses 1 through 16. 
Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Again she gave birth to his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you. But you must master it. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. Behold, you have driven me this day from the face of the ground, and from your face I will be hidden, and I will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. So the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain, so that no one finding him would slay him. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Cain is a hypocrite. Cain is a man who wants the blessing of God without serving God from his heart. This is the center of the problem. Cain thinks that he can get God's blessing without actually seeking to serve God. Now this is a temptation that each of us faces. Whether you're a Christian or not this morning, whether you've given your life to God, the the temptation is there to think, I can get his blessing without actually serving him. Romans 12.1, we read the command, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, worship. What what we read is, present yourselves to the Lord. This is your spiritual service of worship, your act of worship, your work of worship. Okay. Now the reason I jump way forward to, to way up here to pull that verse out is so that we understand what's going on with Cain and Abel here. All through the Bible you have the discussion of sacrifices. Cain and Abel, right here at the beginning, are presenting sacrifices to the Lord. Abel presents the sacrifice of the sheep that he's been raising. Cain presents a sacrifice of the fruit of the ground that he's been tending and working to produce, right? And one of them is good in God's eyes, and one of them is bad in God's eyes.
All through the Bible, you've got this discussion. You've got this, you've got this problem of sacrifices that God hates. You move forward to King Saul. And King Saul is presenting a sacrifice to the Lord. He says, I saved the animals even though God said to kill them because I wanted to give a sacrifice to the Lord. And the prophet of the Lord responds to him and says, Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice. Your worship is unacceptable to God. That's what he's saying at that point. The sacrifice is the way that they were worshiping the Lord. And so, today, now, we worship the Lord in different ways. In in a sense, you still call it a sacrifice, right? Is it a sacrifice to give up your Sunday morning and to come to church? Absolutely. You could be doing other things, right? You could be washing your car. You could be watching TV. You could be sleeping, and you could be doing any number of things. And so, yeah, it's a sacrifice to come to the Lord. And then if you come regularly and you begin to start having to do work for the church, oh, no. Are you going to say I'm going to have to start showing up early? Well, yeah, are you willing to make that sacrifice? That's what I would ask, right? If you're willing to make that sacrifice, then yes, we'd like for you to to serve the church and to serve God in this new sacrifice. And we could just go down the line in more and more ways that we, that we give of ourselves to the Lord, that we make sacrifices in order to worship God. It's a sacrifice to give money, right? It's a sacrifice to obey Him by having children when He says be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So, so yeah, we make sacrifices still, but we're not sacrificing and in, in worship, quite the same way that they did before Jesus Christ, the one final sacrifice, came and was crucified. Right? We no longer have blood sacrifices. We no longer bring a lamb and slit its throat and burn it on an altar. And that's important for us to understand. Our sacrifices are, are somewhat different. And yet I want you to understand that it is still a sacrifice today when we come and we want to worship the Lord. The the command is, bring yourselves. You present yourselves to the Lord as a sacrifice. This is your act of worship. And even all the way back to Cain and Abel, that is the same. What Cain and Abel are supposed to be doing is giving themselves in worship to the Lord. That's the the reason why they are to be worshiping the Lord, why they bring sacrifices. They're saying, I'm God's. They're saying, I need God to help me. I want God's blessing on me. And yet there's a fundamental difference between Cain and Abel, isn't there? And the difference is demonstrated so clearly in our text at the very start where it says, and yet the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, and for Cain and his offering he had no regard. It was not acceptable to him. What is the difference? And what I want you to understand this morning is that the difference between Cain and Abel carries forward to today and that we are either going to be acceptable or unacceptable in our worship here this morning, right now. Our worship, our sitting here, our singing, our sitting under the preaching, our singing of praises, our prayer, all of these things are going to either be unacceptable or acceptable to the Lord. He will either have regard for this sacrifice, this spiritual act of worship, or he will not have regard for it. And what we've got to figure out is, what's the difference between Cain and Abel? Because we want to be Abel, not Cain. We must be. It's imperative 
that we be Abel, not Cain. And so that's why I start by saying, Cain is a hypocrite. Now, we've got to explore that because, of course, none of us want to be hypocrites. None of us want to be called hypocrites. And yet, when I say this morning, you are either going to be acceptable to God in this worship or unacceptable. And I say, don't, therefore, don't be a hypocrite and you'll be acceptable. In a sense, that's, that's all it comes down to. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite in your worship and then it will be acceptable to the Lord. It sounds really simple. But what does it mean to be a hypocrite? How was Cain exactly a hypocrite? Well, Cain desires God's blessing because he cares about himself and this world, not because he cares about God. In other words, Cain is not presenting himself to the Lord. Cain is not giving himself and his life to the Lord. What he's doing is he is giving the sacrifice in exchange for the demand that God bless him here and now. I demand from you, God, now that I have given you this, I want your blessing on my life. I want the ground to produce more fruit for me. I want to to be happy in this life. What is it that you're seeking, right? Now, now, Cain, of course, was a tiller of the ground. How many of you are tillers of the ground? Do we have any farmers in here this morning? Not a one. That's sad. How many of you work with, how many of you have a garden? Hey, we've got gardeners. That's good. Is it, is it hard to garden? Is it hard to get plants to do what you want them to do? Is it, if you landscape, you landscape, don't you? You landscape? You landscaping? Okay, is it hard to get plants to do what you want, or is it easy? It's hard, right? And so a blessing from the Lord as, a, as somebody who works with, the, with plants would be that it would get easier, that the plants would generally do what you want them to do, which is produce fruit. You spend all this time planting a vineyard, and what do you want? Well, you want, at the end, you want grapes. You don't just want the plants to grow and then leaf and then, like, nothing. Now, this isn't what I'm looking for, God. I brought you grapes last year. How dare you not give me what I want? This is Cain's attitude. How do we know it's his attitude? Well, we see that he sacrifices, right? And so it looks really good. And so you come to church this morning, and that looks good, right? Like, oh, yeah, hey, that's a good thing to do. I'm glad I did that. I'm glad you went to, or I'm glad you did that. You went to church. That's good. Cain sacrificed. How good was it for him? Well, the Lord did not have any regard for his sacrifice. What's the problem with the sacrifice? Did he not bring enough? Is that what the problem was? Was it that he should have brought a sheep? What's the problem with the sacrifice? Does it say that he brought the wrong thing? No, it doesn't say. As far as we know, there's nothing wrong with what he brought. Maybe there was. Maybe he brought the, you know, the chintziest little sacrifice that he thought he could get away with. When somebody's a hypocrite, that would make sense. That would be the kind of thing that you would sacrifice as a hypocrite, right? But it doesn't say that. It just says his sacrifice was of the fruit of the ground, and Abel's sacrifice was of a lamb. And so if he brings a sacrifice, why would it not be acceptable? Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is 
and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. A rewarder of those who seek him. Now, here's what it comes down to. Cain does not sacrifice by faith. Cain is looking for reward without seeking him. Anytime we are not living by faith, anytime we are not seeking the Lord, seeking Him, we don't have faith. And if we don't have faith, we can't expect His blessing. Now, of course, that's, that's sort of a weird thing to put next, right? Wait, I thought this wasn't supposed to be about blessing. I thought it was supposed to be about seeking Him. Well, right, but you understand, this is, what, this is what the problem is. Cain is coming forward with the sacrifice, and he's seeking the blessing. Not Him. Not God. And we see this continue throughout the story of Cain and Abel all the way through to the end. Even after God's curse and judgment on him, what is he concerned about? But what about what I want to get? This is too hard for me. People are going to kill me. This is terrible. And so his attitude the entire time is this expectation of what he thinks he deserves, what he thinks he can get out of God by having brought the sacrifice. And so even after the judgment of the Lord falls on him for seeking the wrong thing, we see that he continues in the same hardness of heart, not living by faith. He thinks that his sacrifice makes him deserve God's blessing. Anytime we think we're being generous with God by having done something, oh, well, you know, I came to church this morning. That should give me, like, I don't know, I, I'm thinking like six months' blessing. And then maybe I'll come back again. Well, how generous of you. I'm so glad that you decided to give God an hour of your time. Now, where did you get that hour? Where did the hour come from? Why do you have an hour of time? In other words, what do you have that God hasn't given you? Nothing. Everything that we have has come from God. And so this helps us to understand why our sacrifices don't mean anything apart from faith. If you decide that you're going to give all your wealth away to the poor for the rest of your life, and you continue to work hard and make lots and lots of money and always give all of it away to the poor, to God, to His work, to His church, have you been generous? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's generous. But have you made some sort of substantial sacrifice that God, is, God must honor? No, listen, the money is God's. The lamb is God's. The fruit is God's. The world is God's. You are God's. He created it. All of us. Everything. And so we can't expect that somehow we are able through giving enough of a thing, giving enough of our time, giving a valuable enough service, that somehow that's going to be pleasing to God in and of itself. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Abel's sacrifice is a sacrifice of faith. We know it because God was pleased with it. That's it. It's that simple. Cain's was not a sacrifice of faith. How do we know? Because God had no regard for it. 
So we must not be hypocrites in our service to the Lord. Our worship to the Lord must not be hypocritical. We cannot somehow think that we are doing God a favor by worshiping him. We aren't doing God a favor. We are giving of ourselves to him because it is our spiritual service, work of worship. What is worship? Well, seeking him. That's what we must be doing in all of our work, seeking him. All of our sacrifices, all of our, all of our service to the Lord, all of our worship this morning must be because we are seeking him. And if we are not here to seek him, then we are here as hypocrites. We can't be hypocrites. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon the name of the Lord, and he will rescue you from the pit. Be able, not Cain. Don't be a hypocrite. Now what else can we learn this morning from this passage? Well, a number of things. I want to keep talking about Cain. Cain is not just a hypocrite. Cain, we see the fruit of not seeking God, but seeking his own benefit, focusing in on himself focusing in on how he can receive good things that he wants rather than how he can seek the Lord. All right. Immediately what you notice is that Cain becomes incredibly jealous of Abel when Abel's sacrifice is received and his is not, right? He's so jealous. And his jealousy leads him to hate his brother. Now, there's no jealousy that doesn't lead to hate. Anytime you are jealous of another person, you are are already hating. Okay? You're already hating because being jealous is to have been seeking not God but something else. It's to not be content with what God has given you and to demand that he ought to have given you something else, something that somebody else has. Cain's jealousy starts out in the fact that God accepts, has regard for Abel's blessing. But it doesn't end there. The envy leads to a hatred that's violent. A hatred that leads him ultimately to murder his own brother. Now, you may not be, you may not be convinced when I say all of your jealousy, every time we're jealous, this is hatred. Hatred of God, hatred of our brother. I want to read you a little quote. Just one sentence from a man who's more honest than you. He says, every time a friend succeeds, I die a little. Gore Vidal. Every time a friend succeeds, I die a little. Have you experienced that in your heart? Every time a friend succeeds. He was a writer, and so he's talking specifically in the context of writing. In other words, the thing he cares about. What he wants is to be recognized as a writer, as a a great writer. Right? What do you want out of life? What is the, the blessing from God that you think you need? That's where... When you're in, that's the area where when you see people succeed, you die a little inside. It's not just this general, like, oh, 
you know, so-and-so got a new job. Oh, well, that's fantastic. You celebrate with them. You don't die a little, right? Unless you're somebody who's looking for a job right then. Maybe then you die a little. Do you understand? Okay, so what is it that you care about? What is it that I care about? Well, okay, here we are. We're having a launch service. Christ Church is getting started, right? Now, what do I care about? Do I care about Christ Church? Yes, I care about Christ Church. What do I care about more? Do I care about the success in the eyes of the world of this body, Christ Church, or do I care more about Christ's church? The answer comes when I look at other churches and whether I die a little when they're doing well. Do you see that? When I look at another pastor and he's got a bigger church than me, or they've got a building now, or they've got a new... Okay, like, if what comes out of me first is... That's me dying a little. What is that? That's my hatred of my brother, out of my jealousy, my envy, for what he has gotten that I have not. What he has that I want for myself. And all too often that is what comes out. And I have to I have to discipline the wickedness within me. I have to kill that impulse. I have to fight it to the death and that will that fight will go on until I die. This fight is not a fight that ever ends. The fight against sin, okay? It will always rise up in you. This impulse of desiring what other people have. And you're not seeking God at that point. And so you've got to recognize that. Right then, right there, what's going on? You need to recognize it. What's going on is I'm not seeking God. And I'm angry that he's not rewarding me. I'm not seeking God, and I'm angry that he hasn't rewarded me. What? This is Cain. God is a rewarder of those who seek him. And the reward starts with accepting the sacrifice. That's not what we normally think of, is it? As the reward. Is that what we want to happen when we're, when we're not seeking him? Well, maybe. Cain's, that's where it starts. He's angry that God hasn't accepted his sacrifice. That's the first thing that he's jealous of. In other words, it's possible to desire even not just material blessings from the Lord as part of your, your, your seeking after something other than Him. You want God's approval, and you want man's approval, but you want it without having to seek God. You somehow want His approval without seeking Him. That's possible. It's possible for you to want God's approval without seeking him. And to be angry that you don't have his approval, even though what you've been doing is not seeking him, living in sin. And I say this because I want this this sermon to be helpful to you who are Christians. Okay? You who claim the name of Jesus Christ for yourself have to recognize that you can you can very easily be Cain. Cain was a worshiper of God together with his brother Abel. That's what they were doing. They were sacrificing. 
and then become angry when you don't see the kind of fruit in your own life that you want to see? What are you after? What are you seeking? Let's take that step back and ask that question. What are you seeking? You must seek Him. Seek first the Lord and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. All these things meaning what? Well, yeah, the, 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 the earthly blessings. But more importantly, God's favor. What you truly want. There's two verses, three verses in Proverbs. Proverbs 24, starting in verse 17, says, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. You see, this is, this is part of envy and hating your brother, right? Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles, or the Lord will see it and be displeased and turn his anger away from him. So this is written to a, this is written to a godly person. A godly person has enemies who are God's enemies. So the assumption is your enemies God is displeased with. Right? And it says... If you rejoice when he stumbles, if you rejoice when he falls, the Lord will see it and be displeased and turn his anger away from your enemy. What are we going to do? Seek the Lord or seek the destruction of our enemies? The Lord will destroy his enemies. If his enemies are your enemies, great. They will fall. But what are you seeking? You see how there are so many good things that we can seek, that we can place above God, above seeking him? That's really what we see here. With Cain's start of desiring that God's that what, he, what he wants is he wants God's acceptance of his sacrifice. He wants a good thing. How can you fault him? And yet he wants it more than he wants God. You want children. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Which do you want more? You want to be able to live in self-control and discipline over your flesh. That's a good thing. Which do you want more, that or the Lord? Because as soon as you want that more than you want God, then you will be angry at God for not giving you that. You'll blame God that you're still undisciplined and unable to control yourself. And now you've lost both. Right? Because we can't be angry with God and want God. This verse in Proverbs continues, it says, Do not fret because of evildoers, or be anxious of the wicked. Envious, rather. Do not fret because of evildoers, or be envious of the wicked. For there will be no future for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. Now, so now what we see is it's not just possible to want good things more than God, it's also possible to want bad things more than God. Look at what the evildoer does. And look at what he gets, look what he gets to do. I want to be able to do that. That looks pleasurable. God says no. You ever see a kid who's 
looking through a window at something that he wants. You know, you see the, when everyone's feeling soft and warm-hearted, we, at Christmas time, we see these pictures. A child with their face against the glass, looking through it, right? And they're looking in at something that they want, right? And their eyes just trained on it, just staring. Do you see that in there? And you know, what, it, what, do, you want, what do you know? That's what they want. And so now I ask you, what do you stare at? What do you stare at? Because if you find yourself sitting and staring or dwelling on thinking about this thing and it's evil, and you know it's evil, but it looks pleasurable, what are you, what are you telling? What, what are you declaring? What you're declaring is, I want that. And I think it's better than God. You may not go after it. You may just sit there and wish that you could. But do not be envious of the wicked. There will be no future for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. And there's no future for Cain. His lamp is put out. Listen. <clears throat> Often we think that we think of life as a uh, God's blessing as a zero sum game. You know what that means? There's a finite amount of God's blessing to go around. Here you've got this storehouse. It's got let's say, a thousand, uh, a thousand credits in his storehouse. Oh, that's not nearly enough. Okay, well, make it a trillion. He's got a trillion credits, and he's got to distribute them as he sees fit. <clears throat> These are his blessing credits, right? And so you look around at the people around you and you think that when they get blessing that somehow that means that you're not going to be able to, right? Well, God blew his wad over there. As if God doesn't have an infinite store of blessing to pour out on his children. This is so, so important. And it's what we see in the passage God says to Cain, this is not a zero-sum game. You know where he says that? You're, you're looking at me like, I didn't notice that. He does. That's exactly what he says. Verse 6, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? Cain doesn't have, I mean, Abel doesn't have to lose the blessing of God in order for Cain to get it. Cain gets so focused on Abel at that point. He's angry that Abel's getting what he wants, and God says, Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? You think there's nothing available for you? If you do well, your countenance will be lifted up. And God knows our temptation. He knows that our, so frequently what we do is we think the same way that Cain thinks. We think, oh, how come he gets that good thing? I'm never going to get anything good. How come she gets to look better than I do? How come he doesn't have to worry about his weight? How come... And you just go down the line, right? You know, and, and as though God's promise is false. 
as though there's no salvation, as though our countenance can never be lifted up. But this is God's promise to Cain, and it's his promise to us. If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? How are we supposed to do well, though? That's the thing. Now you're all like, okay, what? So you're going to send me out of here to obey God's law perfectly, and then it'll, be, then it'll all be good, right? Then I'll be lifted up. No. No. That's not, that's not what God says to Cain. That's not the context, okay? God doesn't say to Cain, Obey me perfectly, and then everything will be good. This is immediately after man has fallen into sin. Now they are sinners. This is in the context of sacrifices being brought. Why would they be bringing sacrifices? Well, because there's a recognition of the need for atonement for sins. So this this command from the Lord, do well and your countenance will be lifted up, this is not a, okay, now go and be perfect. And then you'll get the good things. Okay, because if that was what I was leaving you with today, you'd all go out of here and you'd, you'd try for maybe an hour or two. And then what? Your anger would only be multiplied exponentially. Our sacrifices become acceptable to Him. Our attempts to live a holy life, to do good, become acceptable to him when we seek to serve him rather than ourselves. Seek the Lord while he may be found. That's what doing well is. That would be Cain doing well. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon his name. And on the other hand, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. It wants to overpower you. Satan and his minions will rejoice if you give yourself to sin rather than to seeking the Lord. When God says that the angels rejoice when one sinner is added into God's kingdom. And you know the demons rejoice when one person turns their heart to seeking sin rather than seeking God. For that's their desire. That's the desire of sin. It seeks to enslave, to corrupt, to drive a wedge in your relationships, to cause you to hate, to bitter envy. So Abel ends up dead because of Cain's giving himself to sin. Now, that's exactly what we don't want to hear at the end, right? Cain ends up getting some protection from the Lord, and Abel ends up dead. It's like the story is turned in on itself in another layer of of meta. Whoa, wait a minute. What is going on here? Abel is the one who ends up dead? He was the one who was acceptable to God. He sought the Lord. His sacrifice was acceptable to God. 
and he received the reward. Wait, so you're saying if I obey God, if I seek God and then I, I begin to obey him, you're saying that I could end up dead? Yes. You're going to end up dead one way or another. The question is, what comes afterwards? Yeah, but wait a minute. This was because he obeyed God that he died. Yeah, yeah, Jesus said that we have to take up our cross. The cross was the execution chamber. Take up your execution chamber and follow me. Okay, wait. So I could end up dead because I do good. Yes, you will receive the hatred of men like Cain. They will be violent aggressors. But what do you want the most? God. God is what you want. His favor is what you receive when you seek him. And his favor can't be counted. Not only is it not a zero-sum game, every pouring out of grace is infinite. When you receive his forgiveness of your sins, that value cannot be counted. There's no limit to it. That is the blessing of his favor, the reward when we seek him. Now let us seek the Lord. Let's pray.